Subscribe to NerdPod with Coach and K-Rock wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Disney Plus premieres in November with content to kill for. Unfortunately, we lose an icon in John Singleton. Game of Thrones, Battle of Winterfell is over. So what's next? An end game. The Russo brothers take over the world, literally. All that and more on Your Nerd Pod. In a world overrun by content, the line between good and terrible is blurred by the very people who create and sell it. In a sound studio in New England, two average Joes are pushing back, giving their observations and recommendations on comics, video games, TV, movies, and more. Two men, one quest, one desire. You're listening to Coach and K-Rock's Nerd Pod. What's going on, Coach? We're back after a long hiatus. How you doing, man? That's a long hiatus. That was like a summer-type hiatus. Like <laughs> too long. We were we were hot and heavy there for a while. We had uh, Marilyn, which is the last episode that I think everybody heard, and then uh, you know life hits. It just does, right? And uh, yeah, it hit pretty but hard. Man, so. have we? Yeah, it did. This time, it certainly did. But. Um, you know, so much has happened. So, so, so much has happened. Uh, yeah, man. Um, it's, uh, it, I'm so excited. I mean, a I, I content overload for sure in the last, you know, even last few months, like just so much has happened. So what's, what's right. new with you? What's new? What's well, new? Thinking what's back, new? I mean, the big, the biggest thing for me was I actually get to go to my first PAX East um, that's probably was the biggest thing that I had happen to me. Because if you remember last year, I, I was thought, ready to go for my first one, but my grandmother had passed away. Oh, that's right. That's so I right. I was just going to go. say that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right I right, bought right, the tickets right. and everything. So this was my first year of not just, or second year buying tickets, first year going. And man, oh man, talk about overload. That was incredible. It was just wall-to-wall games at the Boston Convention Center. Everything from video games to table games to like Dungeons & Dragons games whatever floats your boat they had. Um, but one of the cool things is I got my first taste of VR, virtual reality. So oh, nice. uh, my birthday, as you know, is in March. And I ended up with a few hundred bucks to Amazon. So what do I buy? The PlayStation VR kit for uh, PlayStation 4. And we've been uh, jamming on that ever since. It's been a lot of fun, man. And it's addictive. So uh, what's new with you? You know, just uh, I, I again content overload. I've tried to uh, to catch up. Um, that's um, I I, uh, I finished this weekend was a huge weekend. Uh, I I was I got so much in, and you know I think we did a little bit talk about um, uh, the fire uh, fire festival um, documentary yeah. uh, about that epic failure. And uh, we talked a little bit about some of that stuff, but uh, since then, I uh, I've been I got first completely, completely, completely obsessed with um, Bad Blood. Uh, read the book, 
and then um, did the podcast through, um, you know, like Apple podcast. And then um, I, I think there was another, oh, the HBO documentary. And I think there was also a 2020 special. Um, so, you know, a little look behind the curtain. It's the, that's the world that I live in every day is, uh, you know, the medical field and in particular, um, you know, sort of anatomic pathology. So uh, the Theranos, uh, Elizabeth Holmes, crazy, um, you know, that whole story hits close to home. And uh, I, you know, I went down that rabbit hole. And ah, dude, I, I, I know that you have sort of poked around a little bit on the surface level of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, is it uh, we, we come from that world. I mean, we come from startups and we've met those kind of eccentric people that are really, really smart and, you know, but more so they're lightning rods, right? Like they're, yeah. uh, those that people they that live are in e- their own little reality distortion field, right? They believe their own stuff. I saw that doc on, um, HBO too. It was just, I, I it hooked me right away and I sat down and just watched the whole thing. And yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm like, Oh, I know people like this, uh, who, who believe their own, lies, uh, exaggerations, however you want to put it. We know, I know, and I know, you know, those people too. So, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it and, was, and so you can uh, see to me, especially when you start messing it, around with the medical, right. And, and people's lives are at stake. We're not talking about an app that can, uh, change the channel on your TV. And if it screws up, you're like, okay, I can just turn on my remote. No, this is like life and death for some people. Who are you know using yeah, totally. this, this this device, this technology to do a thumb prick with blood, and it goes into this machine that's supposed to spit out your results, but it's not spitting out your results that are accurate. So you're thinking like, oh, my diabetes is gone. I don't need my you know. And next thing yeah. you know, you're, <laughs> you're in a right. world of hurt. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, somebody's saying that you're, uh, uh, you, you know, having stroke symptoms and you're spending the weekend in the in the hospital and you're uh, just just absolutely insane. But but to the level in which it went to and we've heard, uh, you know, listen, my uh, my boss at, at my company constantly talks about Enron, right? Like that must have been sort of his prime of, of watching a company uh, do anything that it could to get a stock price up and, you know, faking rolling blackouts and doing crazy stuff and Arthur Mm -hmm. Anderson and Mark to Market, you know, all of that crazy stuff. And this was to a whole new level of insanity. And so uh, it's if nobody, you know, I know that we have some some faithfuls here and, um, you know, that are into the podcast that can go deep. I truly, you know, I think that that was uh, the podcast itself did a great job. If you obviously the book is going to do the most justice because it goes so, so deep. But uh, the podcast is well worth the listen. And uh, I mean, I'm sure many people have listened to it. It's probably one of the most, it's like behind, right behind Serial as the most listened to podcast, uh, except for episode five of Nerd Pod, which I think is the world record right now. But uh, other than that, (laughs) episode five of Nerd Pod. um, I wish. uh, Yeah, Bad Blood um, or whatever they call it. Oh, The Dropout is the dropout is what they call it, uh, the podcast. So I just, I went down that rabbit hole for so long and then I did the OA season two. Uh, mm-hmm. I caught up on some other things. Like I, I, uh, I did stranger things season two again, for some reason, just cause I was feeling it and, uh, mm-hmm. redid get game of Thrones again, just in preparation. And, um, yeah. yeah, so I went down the rabbit hole and then it's funny 
The first thing, actually, I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the uh, the fact that uh, I'll, I'll let you lead in uh, the first story because it's something that you specifically has been following for a long time. So we'll start there before we go down the content rabbit hole. Yeah. So before we get there, this is going to be um, just we're going to do our, our normal brief week in geek coming up next and then stay tuned because we're going to go deep into some of the uh, bigger things that have been happening in the geekdom here specifically game of thrones and um our love for all things marvel both captain marvel and endgame so without further ado let's get into week in geek and now the week in geek we've been watching this for gosh how long now the uh, disney acquiring fox in you know, we had Comcast get in the middle of it and kind of throw a wrench into it. And was it going to happen? Wasn't it going to happen? And the show has always maintained that, no, Disney's getting this. They they have their hearts set on it. They're going to get it. And we called. We were about a few months off, but we called. It was going to close in the first quarter of this year, 2019. And it did. And just as we guessed, a lot of this... Uh, purchase is going right to Disney's streaming service, which is going to be called Disney Plus. This is probably old news by now for everybody, but man, is this exciting. Um, so not only are they hitting with content to die for, just like this, you know, you're getting you know, National uh, Geographic. Man. You're getting the Fox yeah. shows like Simpson. You're getting all the Disney back catalog. You're getting Marvel movies. You're getting Pixar all on day one. I mean, this is top-level AAA content right away. Plus, now they have a controlling interest in Hulu. So right. all those rated R movies that they don't want to put on Disney+, Plus, like the Alien franchise, they're going to be able to put it on Hulu. So now they have these two streaming services at their disposal. Incredible. The best part here is the price. So what's Netflix up to now? 14 15 bucks a month? Yep. That's a lot of money compared to their soon-to-be competitor in November, uh, November twelfth to be exact. Disney Plus is going to be, I think, seven six ninety nine a month, seven bucks a month, or you can pay yep, for that's it right. for the year at seventy. I mean, it's crazy. Awesome, it's, it is. It's good, and it, and it makes you not maybe not so much force that decision on whether you want one or the other, mm-hmm. and um, so uh, my. Uh, my addition to this is, um, you know, so, so, uh, Disney, I'm sorry, um, Star Wars con happened. Um, you know, we can jump into that as well because that's happened. Um, but yeah. And, um, or, or they call it what celebration happened. And, um, they, they really, that's when they, they, they mentioned the date, uh, the release date, Mm -hmm. the price point. They also showed, uh, some stuff on the Mandalorian, (sighs) Yeah. which um, looks really, really good. And uh, people were really excited. They showed stuff from uh, the Outer Rim and, you know, the Disney theme park stuff. And so Celebration is actually going to be in Los Angeles uh, next year, uh, which was big news. And and but, but what came out is that The Mandalorian is actually going to be uh, released weekly. So I think that that is kind of news because now, you know, Hulu has done that in the past. I don't know if you're a big Handmaid's Tale yeah. guy, yep. which uh, is uh, comes out June 7th for season three of that. Um, you know, they, they released weekly. Netflix yes. does not release weekly. Uh, YouTube, Prime. 
Prime does not. Right. Prime yep. does not as well. Right. YouTube and doesn't. So, yeah. um, that's, so that's big news that they won't be. Um, and, and The Mandalorian will run weekly. And, um, and so, yeah, I, uh, uh, I thought that was interesting. And, you know, it's certainly game changing. No plans right now to bring back any of those uh, other shows that were canceled. So no Jessica Jones, no Punisher, no Daredevil, no Iron Fist, no Defenders, no Luke Cage. Um, you know, they, they're going to sort of, uh, I don't know if they're going to wait for them to build uh, a popular base and maybe build some anticipation for five, six years, something mm-hmm. I don't know. But, um, you know, maybe wait for some of the Marvel stuff to settle uh, before they bring it back in. But that stuff will not, it, yeah. it, it'll come over in its in its form right now after it's contractually able to from Netflix. But um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, they, they announced that the first uh, first movie that will hit on Disney Plus is Captain Marvel. And uh, so it'll be Captain Marvel. The Mandalorian will be there on release. And uh, we're off to the races. And I just looked this up before we started today's show. We started recording. There's a chance Ed Game will be in on that, too. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. Right. I mean, that that on, only makes sense. On, now. on the launch. On the 12th. Oh, wow. Ooh, okay. Ooh, so on yeah. the launch. That's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's exciting. It. That it is. It's going to be exclusive to them. So you brought wow. up the Mandalorian. Crazy, crazy. And, so and and before yeah, we get ahead. any further, I was just watching. Um, yeah, we we all watched Endgame. You and I both did, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners did too, because that's who we are. We go to these movies as soon as you can. So I was just watching Iron Man, and when you brought up Mandalorian, you immediately made me immediately made me think of. Who better fair, than to put on a project right. like this and with this magnitude and put that much trust into somebody to kick something off than John Favreau? Yeah, I, I, I mean that might be the most exciting part of this show for me. Is just I, I've been a fan of his since he came out with Swingers and loved everything he's done since. I mean, he's just a great director, and I think this is fantastic for him. It looks pretty good, man. I mean, I. Uh, I'm pretty excited about it. And again, now I'm hearing some cool things. Like I, I heard uh, that, um, you know, it has sort of a a TV feel to it, um, that it's not so overblown mm-hmm. um, compared to like the first season of Game of Thrones, which I thought was exciting. Like, you know, you can see that the lower budget is there. That will, you know, and if it picks up, uh, that could mean season two, three, four, five, uh, we'll get the bigger budget and that'll launch. So, so that's, I found that to be really exciting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, th- that's, that's something that, uh, I wasn't necessarily looking forward to. Um, but after hearing how celebration went and that they're bringing celebration to Anaheim next year, like it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of buying back in and, and I'm, uh, I think it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to it. Right, man. So the next piece is on the polar opposite of things is do you never got into the dc um universe app the one that's doing you know they do their content on right i i thought about it i downloaded it and i was about to buy it i'm like yeah just i think that's gonna be something i regret doing so i never pulled the trigger (laughs) um it sounds like an as things happen on that side unfortunately um swamp thing which is something i was excited about it, it sounds like there's a lot of problems on that show. Every, all the reports are saying that there was some infighting, and now they went from 13 episodes for a first season to this show's running 10 episodes, and it's over. 
So the writers were writing it, and then they got the rug pulled out from under them and saying, okay, you have, um, you're in what, episode seven now? We're not continuing this thing to 13 or even going on. You have to finish it by 10. Jeez. So it's just, you know, they keep tripping over themselves here, right? Um, DC is going to have, that's going to fail. And I'm hearing rumors that even the DC app itself is being questioned if it's going to maintain, if they're going to keep it going. Um, and then you hear things about, um, you know, with James Gunn, right? He's come, he, he, everyone thought he's back for Suicide Squad 2, which may or may not be a reboot, but you put it in his hands, his hands you got to feel good about yourself. Well, they are losing him back to Disney. He's back for Guardians 3. <laughs> So well, actually, he just announced um, that that he's staying. He's actually going to finish it out. Is so well, that's good um, for them. Which I, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that came out this week, or or maybe even yesterday. Yeah, that he's. Um, so it is good. I mean, I I think that it was the right move for him based around the controversy that was there. Mm-hmm. I think that it was a, a good, smart move for him to stay uh, stay committed to it. Uh, there was no exclusivity. So uh, as of right now, that could change, I guess. But as of right now, he is going to finish Suicide Squad. So that's good news. Well, uh, for, for them. And mm-hmm. and I know that you have not delved down the Shazam uh, hole yet, I'm but dying um, to. I know me. you will. Yeah. And uh, it just it was it was really, really great. And I saw it as an opportunity uh, for them to, you know, it said it's got a, a sequel to actually has a universe built in. You got, um, you know, spoiler, uh, I'm not going to say it, but you got uh, a version of an existing superhero in that universe that sort of popped in uh, to some capacity. So um, really great. So I, I, I can't say enough. I want to wait for you to actually do it mm-hmm. uh, and, and see it before we dive in. But uh, I, I was very, very pleased. And ultimately it ended up, you know, I had my problems with it that I could nitpick. But uh, ultimately, just fun and, um, you know. It's what you uh, called it earlier, right? It's Superman meets big. It really is. And uh, And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. And they even made a nod to it, which I can't wait for you to see. Um, yeah. You know, they give a little a little homage to Big, little little uh, head nod. So I was um, I was excited about that. I was like, yep, I, I uh, we called that months and months and months ago uh, and, and, and it and it fit perfectly. So, um, yeah, it, it was great, man. And um, and so that brings us to like sort of another um, piece. Now, if we're going to roll right into the DC, mm-hmm. um, and we never got to talk about the Joker trailer. That was something that we almost even had a special show for. Um, yeah. what did you think of the Joker trailer? So I f- take out that it's a Joker movie, uh, and think about that trailer. It's, I, I talked this through, I think with you, um, when I saw it and the way I looked at it was I think they it would have been a risky move if they did it this way but the way the trailer looked to me it was not overtly screaming Joker right it was never at one point saying I'm the Joker I'm the Joker like in your face and you knew that the character they were playing for it would have been for me very interesting if they just started releasing these trailers with Joaquin Phoenix Joaquin Phoenix where you, you see that it's just, you know. And now, uh, this a guy message from our sponsors. Crazy. 
He's a clown, but you and never now, get this a message feel from our sponsors. Like you just keep playing this and very now, vague a message from our sponsors throughout while you're building up to when the movie and releases. And now a message and from our sponsors. Yes, it's a Joker movie, but let's wait till the movie comes out. Don't stop listening. I These mean, are the guys that pay the I bills. Probably so would have sit been down way and more excited up. about it than knowing going in what it was. I don't know if it would have been possible, but again, risky. But I mean, what do they have to lose at this point? No, that's a great point. And, and my, I think my response at that point was um, that it isn't this. So we looked at, we saw Shazam, right? And we saw the nightmare and we got Suicide Squad coming out. We possibly have a Jared Leto Joker movie coming out. And what, you know, I don't think anybody expected, even myself included, I saw the original, you know, the, the original Dark Knight in the theater, and uh, it, it was because a buddy of mine won uh, the, won the tickets, and he called me. He's like, "Oh, let's go see this!" And we we're just blown away. And you know, had Marvel already been mid, um, you know, Infinity Saga, Saga, yep. yeah, I think that they would have treated those. I think they would have just backed the money truck up and. And, and paid Nolan whatever he wanted. Although, um, you know, he does have that artistic integrity thing going on. Maybe he wouldn't have, but but maybe he would have started the universe or built it out, right? Or, or maybe Warners would have just said, you know, would have taken it and run with it. Like, uh, you know, let him have, excuse me, like his moments, like Whedon, and give it to him and, and, and then go. But my hope, here's my hope, is that, in the back of Jim Lee's brain or in the back of somebody's brain. Um, and this is why they were talking about either Leo or uh, Phoenix for this role is that it has the same effect and people get so excited about it and it's so well done and it has that such dark grit. And, uh, you know, obviously it looks like there's a young Bruce Wayne uh, in that shot. Mm-hmm. I, 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 my thought is that they're going to let the fans drive the ship here. And and so if the movie does $70 million and it's modest and it's for, you know, and it's it's fan fodder or fan service, uh, I think that'll be fine. I also think that if it does destroy and it does 100 in opening weekend and does, you know, 250, uh, uh, you know, total worldwide, well, now... Uh, you may have some ability, depending on what they do within the in the script, to make this their actual canon. Mm-hmm. And so I they they've been calling to standalone movie all the time. They've been saying, no, no, this is a, a dark, you know, this is the dark DC. This is sort of like the dark horse, uh, you know, version. And but I, I, this could end up being their canon. This could end up being, uh, you know, how, how to compete or, or at least try to compete with Marvel. Now, on the other side of that, you finally have Shazam. You have the ability now with Shazam to maybe bring in either Hal Jordan or Jon Stewart, Green Lantern, right? A fresh start at that. Um, you have Ezra, who people are enjoying. Uh, I mean, I can imagine a world where DC goes with exactly that. They go with Levi, they go with Ezra, and they go with, um, you know, some like a Michael B. Jordan, John Stewart, Green Lantern. Like, I would absolutely love that. And so I, I, 
with what they're with how often they drop the ball, um, they have three clear paths, man, that we should yeah. be watching because they need to pick one of these paths and make it work. Just double it, down it, on it. Just, that's it. And, yeah. and because if not, they're just going to always be compared and they're always going to be measured against and they're always going to fail. It's, oh, yeah. Period. It's period. over. This this. The war is over. Marvel wins. You, you, and so do your own thing. Don't even try to compete with what they're doing. It's over. It'll yeah. just be always looked at as a bad imitation. And they're better yeah. than that. So with well, they have the storyline for it, for sure. I Absolutely. mean, and they should. You know? And they have the, so. definitely the properties to dig through. I mean, it's not like they don't have IP. They yeah. certainly have it. They, sir, they sure do. So They sure do. Moving on here, um, I don't know. We want to get to the the spoiler part of the show, um, mm-hmm. and so I'm putting this next part in, not in spoiler zone, so we'll keep it safe for everybody. But we both finished Bosch season five on Prime. Yep. Oh man, we did perfection. I just I, I love it. I mean, if you're not watching this show by now, stop what you're doing. Stop what. Stop watching The Bachelorette or what the hell you're watching and watch it because it's awesome. It's great. Titus Wellover does an incredible job. Michael Connolly's stories are incredible. Uh, it's so much fun. My problem is I watch it too fast and I binge it too fast, which is to your point earlier that I wish that they just would release an episode a week. So at least I could make this thing last for 10 weeks instead of just two days. <laughs> I know. I know. It's bad. And, 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 this thing with this show, man, is that I can't exactly pinpoint what makes it so great. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, okay, so it's the acting. It's the, you know, listen, it is a essentially a procedural-ish cop show. And so, uh, you, you know, it, it, there's no courtroom. I mean, there does, there ends up being courtroom, but it's a, it's not structured like uh, Law and Order or CSI or anything. So mm-hmm. it does have a, a, a wire feel in that it's pulp and that it's not, um, you know, does not follow a very specific skill, right? Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, it follows, it follows uh, what it needs to follow. It also has many of the actors from The Wire, which I'd mentioned on the show before, mm-hmm. which makes it great. It almost feels like a mixture between the commish from like the eighties, nineties with Michael Chiklis, yep, the yep. commish mixed with the wire, right? Like if you took those two properties, the seriousness of the wire and the lightheartedness, but still uh, great storylines and acting from the commish smash those together. And I think that's what uh, Bosch is. It's, it's clearly one of my top three or four favorite shows right now on anything, on any platform. I'll yeah. throw this in and I'm not trying to be negative. I want to say I gave Michael Connolly's murder book a shot on um, and Michael Connolly. Yeah. on podcast, Michael Connolly should stick to, to writing, um, <laughs> writing <laughs> Bosch and he should stick to, um, yeah, he's done such an incredible job and he's such a hero. And, and I think he was trying to capitalize on the, the, the Bosch fame. Um, he is not, he does not have the voice for radio. He does not have the delivery or tone for radio. Um, so I would say uh, A++++ on Bosch, every season of Bosch. But um, yeah, maybe not so much with the Murder Book podcast. Yeah, I haven't listened to that yet. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah, be it as may, watch it. If you're not watching it, totally watch that, it. That is a, a shoe in from NerdPod. You need to watch Bosch. You need to catch up, and you'll thank us later. You totally will. All right. So um, before we jump into spoiler zone, we are going to do a whole episode on uh, on Cobra Kai. Um, I'm season. two episodes in, man. All right. Good, 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 good. So yep. I felt like um, it started a little bit slower than it did last time. I think that the novelty has worn off and you're bought into these characters. And um, I was a little concerned about uh, about Martin Cove, honestly. Um, I didn't know if he was going to, you know, with this much of a hiatus, if he was going to be able to pull it off and mm-hmm. come back. But he he does. And uh, it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, I'm two episodes and, in increases. Yeah, he's right there in the middle of it. He sounds good. He, he looks good. He's doing everything yep. right. He's doing everything right. And he does everything right. And the storyline picks up and it's very, very good. Here's what I want to say before we move on into, um, actually, yeah, there's a, there's a couple more, but um, mostly um, YouTube Premium, which used to be YouTube Red, is nine ninety nine a month. Um, absolute home run um, with two things, uh, and I think I may have mentioned this before, G-Funk, which is the documentary of, um, that do- it documents Warren G mm-hmm. uh, and Nate Dogg and young early years Snoop Dogg. Um, and it, it really follows the album, The Chronic Being Made, which was not a G-Funk album, but um, it follows, it really has behind the scenes footage of Dr. Dre and all those guys making The Chronic. And what happens to Warren G after that album gets created? And then what happens to Warren G when he, you know, I don't want to give it away, but um, what made him such a, a, a self-made man? I will say that he single-handedly saved Def Jam Records from going under. Russell Simmons and uh, and Rick Rubin, they were, it, it was it. It was over. They were either going to get swallowed up and acquired or it was, it was, things were not going well. They had made a couple of bad moves. And that album, that Regulate on the G-Funk era, absolutely saved that label. And Russell Simmons says so within that um you know, so, so so they dropped that incredible 10 out of 10, two thumbs up, the best, one of the best documentaries I've seen in a long time. They follow that up with a uh, Lou Perlman documentary on um, the, you know, the making the band guy mm-hmm. uh, who managed both uh, Sync and the Backstreet Boys. And it tells his story. It's not so much about the Backstreet Boys or Sync, but it's certainly they are front and center. Um, so here comes a um, here comes a, 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 a service in YouTube that. All right. So, so not a lot of not a, not a ton of content. They don't have a lot available. They've put out three pieces that are notable to me. One of them is Cobra Guy. One of them is G Funk, and one of them is Perlman. And each of them. I would rank in the top 10 things that I've seen in the last 12 months. So I highly recommend they give you a 30-day trial. If you haven't done Cobra Kai, obviously do it. But if you are doing Cobra Kai, 
go check out those two documentaries. You don't need to be a huge hip hop fan or a boy band fan to really enjoy that crap out of both of those uh, documentaries. Mm -hmm. Get after it, go do it because uh, yeah, man, I, again, quality, quantity, it's you two, I mean, um, uh, Netflix is out spending, you know, billions, literally billions of dollars uh, to create content. And here comes YouTube with, with three, not a ton of huge cash investment. And the quality, it's, uh, I, I would say the quality of any of those things is pound for pound right there with anything on Hulu. I would totally oh, say that. So For real, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to get that in. And finally, right before we go, um, I mean, so John Singleton, you know, mm-hmm. Boys in the Hood, a bunch of other movies, an icon passes away. Um, really sad, man. Yeah, yeah had a stroke. Um he was only what 52 50 51 how old? 51 only too bad 51. man yeah that's um, 10 years man <laughs> i know the dialogue dialogue i know you're right dialogue was um incredible um in in boys in the hood it's one of the best um written movies i've ever it was incredible that movie was um, deli- like it's one one of those few movies in my life that opened my eyes to things right it was a very important movie to me growing up um, because it was a world that I had no idea about, zero sure. clue about. And it, it, it kind of connected me to something that I, I didn't have any knowledge of, like I said, but it made me empathize way, way more with another part of the country that I just wouldn't, was never exposed to. So, and it was from, yeah, the, the dialogue, the visuals, the, just the grittiness of it. Uh, at a time where there was really wasn't heard of at all, like in that type of sense, in that realist sense. So for sure. And poetic justice for its own, um, you know, uh, uh, Tupac and Janet Jackson. I mean, that movie in itself, I mean, he certainly a legend, um, you know, a legend in, um, in cinema, so and, and uh, for the kids out there, he he had a hand in the two fast movies, uh, too fast to fur- too furious. Right. He did right. That's right. Four he brothers. did. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. he's just one of those names that I don't think was well known, but it's just behind, like in the industry, very well known and respected. Absolutely. So he will be certainly we will be missed. So, mm-hmm. um, dude, did you? Uh, I mean, dude, I. I Absolutely, through one of my binge things. I think it was when I did uh, Stranger Things. I was like, yeah, I was on Netflix, and I'm like, ah, let me try this. So I threw on The Dirt. Oh, yeah, I watched that. <laughs> oh, man. So so what, what shocked me the most about The Dirt was, um, I'm, so I'm looking, and I'm like, wow, that Tommy Lee, I, I personally thought, that uh, uh, that Tommy Lee's character was the best um, portrayal, right? Like I thought mm-hmm. he did the he did the best. And then I'm looking, I'm like, he looks familiar. The guy who plays Tommy Lee is actually Machine Gun Kelly, the bad boy hip hop artist. And uh, he apparently he had gone in and uh, auditioned to play Nikki and didn't get it. And then they called him back to play Tommy Lee and. Huh. There was something about him, man, and he had like, uh, not that we would ever cover this on our show, but he had a very public um, 
you know, beef or problem with Eminem that that got escalated and and I guess it didn't go well and they were so that's how I had really kind of heard of him. I didn't really know his music all that well. Uh, they call him MGK, but uh, yeah, his, his stage name Machine Gun Kelly. That kid absolutely stole the show. I thought for 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 all for my money, he was incredible as Tommy Lee, and I thought that you know the kid that was played Nikki was fine. The mm-hmm. other piece of that was uh, our favorite Ramsey Bolton, our favorite villain, yeah. uh, came in to play Mick Mars yeah. and absolutely crushed it. So those two guys, for me, I mean, I felt like Paul Giamatti should have played uh, that role of the manager guy. That Yeah, um, right. That I was... would have enjoyed that a little more. But ultimately, excellent flick. And if I do personally... If if I'm because the kid, what? How do you say his name? Uh, the kid that played Ramsey, but I, I, what is it? Is it's, it Ian Rion? Rion, yeah, Iwin Rion, Ian Ewan Rion, um, fantastic dude, and and he has that look of like either a, a a Bond villain, maybe a Bond villain, but even more so. Like, could you admit, Could you picture him in like Bad Boys for Life? That the uh, Will Smith, you know, the Bad Boys that. Three, I could see him entirely as the bad guy or even um, the Mission Impossible. Like sure. they need to grab that kid and do that. What did you think of that movie? Did you, were so, you as compelled overall, as I was? I, I couldn't stop looking away. Um, it felt like a rated R made for TV movie, <laughs> like a hard R made for TV movie. So was quality itself wasn't great. But yeah, I, I for me, um, Iwin, Rion, uh, McMars is that was the bright spot to me. Like I just, I thought he was, he was funny. He was hilarious. He was the straight guy to their, their craziness for the band, at least what they showed in the, the, that movie. I know the book um, is very, is a little different or very different uh, from what I've heard, but I enjoyed it. I was a Motley Crue fan as a kid. Um, so I found some of the stories I recognized. Um, and like when Vince Neil, crashed his car when he's drunk driving, killed his friend uh, as yeah. a result. I, I kind of remember that that stuff happening. Um, so that was poignant. I mean, they did a good job, but like it was it was like X-rated Hallmark movie. <laughs> so It really was. No, <laughs> you're right. That's a really good point. That's a good... Um, but I, I, I think singly those performances for me made it... Um, you know, much more watchable and much more likable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it oh, was, it. you know, clearly the decade of decadence, right? I mean, that's, that's, uh, uh, and, and they, they sort of captured some of that, but it was a Hallmark movie. I was actually surprised <laughs> at the amount of, uh, uh, at the amount of skin that, that showed up quickly, right? Like, sure. I was like, whoa, hey now, like <laughs> that, that, um, it, it, you know, good thing I wasn't like watching it with my kids or anything. So listen, I think it's, it's, I think it's a good 87 minutes long. I think it's, it's, it's a cool afternoon watch. I wouldn't put it in a, you know, in a giant category. Um, it's, it's certainly not Bohemian Rhapsody, but I would say um, it was fun for what it was. Yes. If, if you if, if if the women that were portrayed in that movie, the actual women like uh, Skyler's mother and Heather Locklear, and if they told that story, I guarantee it, it would look way different than it actually looked on that screen <laughs> and even in the book. So um, I, I, I think you got to take that into account. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, I think it's a fun little watch, and uh, I would put it on the you know on the recommend list at least. Yeah, put it absolutely. on the recommend I agree. list. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fun. All right, man. All well, right, that's man. Week in Geek. So uh, that was everybody can geek. We're about to get into some serious spoilage here, so um, let us put the spoiler. Ring the spoiler bells. Yes. yes. You're now entering a spoiler zone. So no whining, you crybabies. You've been warned. Okay, man. So since we were last here, um, we had uh, you know two major releases. One being Captain Marvel, which you and I saw mm-hmm. together. Yep. Um, and then, of course, this past weekend, uh, Endgame uh, came yep. out, and my brain exploded. And so I'll let. Why don't you start with how with your feelings on Captain Marvel? I think slightly you liked it slightly better than I liked it. I, I went um, twice to Captain Marvel um, once with you, and I took uh, Caitlin with me the second time. I was a big fan of it. I liked it, um, and I think it's for the reasons that it was. First off, it was based in the '90s, which I'm very familiar with. Certainly. Um, I enjoy seeing and I like Brie Larson. I think she really did a phenomenal job in that role. Um, and I love the just I, I don't know the the brosives who are so offended by a strong woman lead. I love that she played a strong woman and didn't apologize for it in in the scenes where like that biker was like hey honey why don't you smile and she basically was you know yeah, stole, stole his, his bike, bike right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that was pretty so great all those things like it just for me personally I, i'm it it made it into a great experience a viewing experience obviously i love seeing the callbacks and some of like ronan being in it is uh, I was a big Ronan fan in Guardians of the Galaxy as a villain, so I like seeing him before he became the rebel that he became. Um, and so, for me, um, stylistically, stylistically was fun. I did not care for what they did with Nick Fury as much. I thought it yeah. was too lighthearted for him from everything we've seen. Like, yeah, he's... In the area where he uh, was during Captain Marvel, okay, he's new to the job. He's a little, you know, uh, more innocent and everything. But it seemed like the way that Sam Samuel L. Jackson played it, it was too far away from where he became, um, you know, jaded and dark and yeah. and, and you know uh, everything was secretive. In that movie, he's he was he was the joke character. And for me, like he was the comic relief and I, I didn't really buy into that part. So for me, the weakest part was the Nick Fury and how they treated him. The strongest part was his, he was basically, he, he was the foil to Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. Um, and for me overall, it was a fantastic movie. I'd give it a solid B, B plus, uh, maybe push the A minus if I see it again and love it still. Um, yeah, I I can get there, and my problem was not so much any of of um, you know. I thought the storyline was fine. I actually thought um, I think they kept everybody guessing leading up to it. I think when they showed Jude Law, I think that um, 
I think they assumed that Jude Law was going to be Marvell, and um, and they certainly uh, uh, flipped the script right by getting mm-hmm. um, you know a, a female Marvell was kind of cool. I had a, a big problem with, and I've had a problem with this in the canon, is um, is the powers of the Tesseract, right? I mean, I, I um, and the Scepter to some to some extent. We we've redefined multiple times what it actually physically takes to turn somebody through gamma and through the use of the Tesseract. What the um, you know, what's an accident? What's not an accident? Who can actually physically hold it? When does it burn its way through a metal plane in Captain America? Mm-hmm. When does it, you know, the inconsistencies with the Tesseract was, and, and that may seem like a really small and insignificant thing. It was, and, and I think that they also used, it was more plot holes and storyline problems that I had than I had with Nick Fury, although you're right. I mean, I think you want to picture Nick Fury as a uh, special ops guy, right? That sort that maybe is a little bit more mysterious. That maybe uh, you know you don't you don't want to picture him as a rookie cop driving around the city of wherever they were, Chicago, Los Angeles, whatever. Really, yeah. Um, I yeah. So I um, but but more so, my problem was with. Um, uh, you know, it was just with with the, the plot holes. So, mm-hmm. and they use they conveniently use things, and that actually is going to carry over. Um, it's going to spill right over into Endgame for me. Um, so, listen. Ultimately, uh, I was with my best friend and co-host um, close to our birthday. Um, you know, on watching the movie in a wonderful theater. Uh, the experience I would give an A plus plus. I would give the movie a you know kind of hard B. Um, I think it was set up. I, I I don't know that we need to to keep doing. You know, it wasn't so much an origins movie which I liked. We kind of jumped right into the action. I enjoyed that. So I'm going solid B. Um, yeah. And and uh, I, I enjoyed it. I'll look forward to the next one. Uh, I, I'm not bashing it. But um, it's time. I hope that they get the consistency, um, you know, because if you think about it, the gamma technology, it affects Hulk, right? The serum, it affects Captain America. It affects, uh, you know, it's it's a centralized storyline. And the rules is what I have a problem with. The rules keep changing. The rules like what, you know, the ship blew up and this, like I had a problem with it, but I thought the Skrulls were great. I thought Marvel was great. I thought, um, you know, all of that stuff was was really, really great. What do you think? Um, and here's my take on it. Maybe it wasn't when a first Avenger came out, which was, you know, with Captain America. And yeah, the, the Tesseract, you couldn't touch it. It would destroy you. Um, yeah. How much of that do you think that was, you know, nine years ago and they were the beginning of part of this journey and and the directors and, and Kippen, they, they weren't too sure of what they were doing at that point in terms of long term. They had a, an outline. So, yeah, maybe they had this like, oh, shoot, we should have done that. But I guess it doesn't work and how it is today. Maybe they wouldn't have made that decision if they had a crystal ball and saw the future. No, I, I maybe, but I see it more if it through the course of time, I see it more 
as a um, as a tool to close plot holes as I do at, you know that's what I see mm-hmm. uh, and, and so that is a little dude listen I will not sit here and bash the Marvel Cinematic Universe they've done what nobody else so so if I'm just being nitpicky I'm just being nitpicky um, I feel like that is a centralized piece of the story and there are many things that you can use to close plot holes. I'm not sure I would have used the Tesseract. And yeah. so I, 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 I don't, I do see it of course as evolving, but I also see using a centralized uh, point to close an easy plot hole that, that fix a lot of things. Listen, it's got to be hard to put this all together over 22 films and countless hours and people and different directors and all. So literally it's the most impressive thing that I've ever seen in my life. So it literally is just me nitpicking, but <laughs> They absolutely use that as as a plot device to close holes, which I wish they didn't. And so for that, I, I just knock it down a grade. But ultimately, I would pick that over just about any movie in the world. Mm-hmm. So uh, let, let's keep this into context, right? Well, let's talk about the fan service part of this, man, in terms of um, the 90s stuff that we were seeing. Blockbuster, for example. Um, yeah. But let's take that a step further. So first we had... Um, that amazing opening crawl with the Stan Lee tribute, which was amazing, breathtaking, yep. right? But yep. later during Stan's cameo, what's he doing? Yeah, man, uh, <laughs> reading that mall rat script was reading the um, mall rat script, practicing his line on the on the train. Amazing, <laughs> amazing for me, certainly. I mean, I. I I can't believe that I didn't break it, break down in tears when it happened. Um, I uh, there was yeah, dude, so was... much fun little things in there. There's a lot of you know what what's one of the biggest movies of the '90s? Pulp Fiction. Who was in Pulp yeah. Fiction? Samuel L. Samuel Jackson. L. Jackson. We have Samuel L. Jackson back in the '90s when Pulp Fiction was coming out. So there was some jokes there as well with like the drinking and uh, the soda and eating yeah. the burger, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yep. Yep. Yeah, uh, very similar to the way he was doing it in Pulp Fiction. So there's like these little things throughout the movie that if you're from the time, you'll you'll pick up on it and be like, oh yeah, that, I remember I remember Pulp Fiction. I remember when when he was eating that juicy burger that was so tasty, right? It, <laughs> it is a tasty burger, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So yep. it was, you know, it, it was a fun flick. Uh, I don't think anyone's done a 90s movie correctly yet. And I don't want to say Captain Marvel's nailed it by any means. I don't think they had. But it was probably the most fun that took me back to that decade um, in a way that made me you know, miss certain things about it. Like going to Blockbuster, renting films, you know, um, going to the pool hall, playing pool. No one does that anymore. No, so it's just it, it's. It was cool. I enjoyed it for that too. The nostalgia of you know that's our generation. Totally, totally. And so for that, absolutely, I thought they and even you know some of the you know the music selection was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that um, you know not Guardians like, but it was still pretty good. I think and, it was uh, you know yeah Guardians is the, the, the for me the pinnacle of you're you're using your absolutely. soundtrack correctly. This one was very I th- again it, I think it was very fan servicey. I don't think it was anything unexpected in terms of the music they were playing. No. But again maybe that's because 
we grew up with that music. Maybe people who are 10 or 20 years younger than us listening to that going, oh my God, I remember that that song. I love that song. I hear it on the, the 90s Sirius station. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. maybe exactly. it's more special yeah, yeah. to them like the way Guardians is such one of my favorite soundtracks. Totally, totally. So yeah, man, I um, it's certainly going to be important moving forward. She's, um, you know, Captain Marvel is now, uh, by uh, you know Kevin Feige has said that she she's going to be the new leader and Integral. yeah uh, um, yeah absolutely and and um, I'm surprised uh, by the way I was a, I'm surprised I was able to remember what I remembered about Captain Marvel because I'll be honest my brain is mush this weekend I know so much jammed in it, it's been like my brain's been punched a million times by Thanos I know <laughs> I know I know it's just. It's just incredible. Um, we saw so much stuff this weekend. Uh, yeah, but we sorry, did. I, I'm, I'm, I'm no, it's I'm okay. So, so I was able to like find that kernel of uh, Captain Marvel in the back of my head there. <laughs> uh, yeah, me too. No, I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. And um, yeah, so it was really good. And um, so Spider Man uh, Far From Home is mm-hmm. going to be the last Phase Three movie. And so I imagine we're going to start to see, you know, we're going to they're going to handle the fallout of uh, Endgame, yeah. And uh, Captain there. Captain Marvel's gonna, yeah, gonna take over from there. As uh, uh, you can see, you know, some other uh, heroes will be joining her, and uh, it should be exciting times, man. For I sure. I think Far From Home is going to be more of an epilogue to the whole Infinity Infinity Saga. It's the the final, you know, short chapter of the the saga right it's the it after is, you finish yeah. the book you 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 take that one last page and it's in a little epilogue that tells you basically gets you out of this phase and, and you're yep. done no big yep. big things are going to happen captain's not there iron man's not there it's just peter parker doing his thing yep yep and i think that's a good thing so um yeah I, i'm i'm really looking forward to that and so that uh, that brings us to our final two pieces of this extra long uh, spoiler roll nerd pod. Yeah, yeah spoiler filled. So, huh, um, what do you want to do first? How about that? Uh, um, I, I, let's so, do Game of Thrones next. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Because I want to close yeah. on the biggie. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And um, so here's I said it to you last night. And I meant it. It was probably one of the worst um, episodes of Game of Thrones um, for the for the first um, eighty one minutes of the eighty six minute runtime. Yeah. Um, they did a horrible job um, with camp with with um, lighting and cameras. Uh, people were confused. Um, and and when you break it down, and when you really break it down. Um, it was sloppy and choppy. Um, you know, we've been waiting for winter for eight seasons. Everybody is so insanely invested in this, and um, I, I they, they just did winter and Winterfell and the Night King, and they they just did everybody a giant disservice. And I was wildly disappointed in the episode up until the minute that. Um, that it got to, to surrounding Bran. And uh, suddenly the light was there. Suddenly Theon, um, actually, I'll even go back a little bit further than that and say mm-hmm. uh, with, with Tyrion and Sansa at the, in the, so when, when it moved into the tombs uh, is when 
the episode began for me. So, so really, it was about a six and a half minute, amazing back to true form Game of Thrones episode yeah. from the crypts to the end. But um, boy, and you know what? The Battle of the Bastards was amazing. Yep. I'm sure that the next battle is going to be amazing. Um, but boy, did they not do the Battle of Winterfell any, any, any service at all. No, I, I'm with you. hundred. I, I, I go into these things sometimes forcing myself to be like, no, it was good. It was good. It was good. And then I had all day today to think about it. And, and here's, the, here's the cold reality of it. We just saw... Endgame, right? Yeah. I have that in my head. It's like, wow, that was absolutely stunning. And I see Game of Thrones like, oh, this is going to be just as good. And half of the movie, I'm like squinting at my screen and I have excellent eyesight and I can't see or make out a thing. And I get it. I, I get it. I get it. I believe me. I, I, I would put money down that they were like, that was the point. The point was to give you the point of view from the soldiers in Winterfell, and then I could not see the Whites and the White Walkers and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, it's good, but let's be honest here. I'm not one of them. I'm sitting at home watching on TV, trying to see what's going on, and I can't make it out. All I can see is John and Daenerys riding around in their dragons and... And even that was confusing. In the fog. Yeah. (laughs) Just, yeah, man. It was was, swing and a miss after swing and a miss. Sending the um, uh, the, uh, the horse, uh, you know, um, the cavalry. uh, uh, What are they called? Yeah, the The Dothrakis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Visually, it was really cool to see the lights going out, right? Yes, that was cool. I'm like, this is going to be awesome, this is what we're going to see. But then it was just, then the fog rolled in, and that's all we saw. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And again, I get get stylistically what you're going for. You're going for, yeah, I'm trying to put you into the, um, into the, uh, you know. Yeah, the feeling of the battle. The feeling of the battle, and, and put you in the soldier's eyes. But again, I'm, I'm not the soldier. I don't want to see that. I want to see what's going on. So for me, it was just, it was just, it felt technically poorly done. Uh, and it felt like it was a something, it was just a mistake call on somebody's part. Where, like you said, Battle of the Bastards, and that's immediately what I thought of. Like, why couldn't we have a battle that we could actually see and feel and s- almost smell it, right? It was just all your senses were humming during that battle. This one, it just wasn't the case at all. I, I was very, yeah, I was disappointed the more I look back at it. And I'm going to watch it again and just make sure that I feel the same yeah. way. But uh, once we got no, to the inside of Winterfell and we we could actually see what was going on and you're claustrophobic in the crypts or, or in the, the, the hall where Arya was, uh, it was better. Yeah, even, even that, um, you know, Jurassic Park um, moment with Arya in the library didn't feel great to me. Um, I, but I will say that there were some, you know, Liana Mormont killing the, the 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 giant was incredible. The other major problem that I had was, you know, in the midst of all of that. Um, now, granted, you hit some major characters in the crypts, and that's okay. Um, I'm glad that they they hid them away, but. Um, you know, it's almost set up. I mean, you know, Theon, not that impor- important. Uh, Barrack Dondarrion, not that important. 
Um, uh, you know, Jorah, Mormont, like, like you didn't lose any, you know, didn't lose Sansa, didn't lose John, didn't lose Arya, didn't lose Bran, didn't lose like the yeah. main. And, and, and you say like the army of death just came for you. You have, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of these. And, and so conveniently, no, not Brienne, not Jamie, not anybody that is major, major, major to the plot and to the storyline of the next three episodes even came close to getting killed. And so, and, and it's funny, I think I may have said it to you. I certainly said it to my daughter. I'll, I'm like, maybe nobody dies. And ultimately that's kind of what happened. I mean, I, I, you know, I sure Theon, but, but is Theon? No, because Euron is in King's Landing and Yara is, uh, uh, you, you know, so, so even the pivotal, strong, important people, I guess it does tie directly, you know, it does tie into the Winterfell story part of it. But ultimately, uh, again, they did a wonderful job uh, wrapping it up incredible with Arya. She's the warrior. Um, I, I, I'm very, very happy. I could not be more excited to see where this goes. Mm -hmm. It seems like based on the, on the previews that are, that, um, you know, everybody's going to rally behind Danny. Um, you know, however they get there, um, they're going to rally behind Danny and they're going to move forward. And, you know, maybe there's some crazy warg stuff that's going to go on with Bran, but, um, you know, it it certainly hasn't ruined Mm -hmm. anything for me at all, but, um, I'm ready. I'm ready to take this thing to King's Landing yeah. for sure. Overall, what do you think of this season so far? Uh, I think that it, it's reminiscent of uh, you know season six when John John catches the knife to the heart. I think there was a lot leading up to it that that was pivotal to the story. So I think the first episode I really really loved. Um, yeah. You know where they knighted um, uh, Brienne, just the whole the uh, you know singing um, you know uh, Patty's song or whatever the the uh, and then the Florence and the Machine version at the end of that episode. I thought that episode was incredible. I, I think they did a wonderful job. Mm-hmm. Character development, you know Sansa versus Danny. I loved all of it. Um, so. Uh, I, I think that it, it's all relevant and leading up to now the next three are obviously gonna gonna tell the story and the next three are gonna tell us what the you know what what will be the legacy of this show you know will will it be like Dexter where he goes to be a lumberjack somewhere and you go Jesus I can't believe I just spent eight you know eight years 10 12 years of yeah. my life watching this um, I don't think that's gonna be the case I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be great and well, uh, I'm looking bad forward ending to it, so. where. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Payoff is huge. So I'm, I'm with you for man. like an, a a new heart ending. Like I want the perfect ending. I, right? I'm That's with you. It's like I, I'm loving this season. I think it was just they dropped. It was a big fumble for the Battle of Winterfell. Um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. That was not a that was not an easy episode to get through, and not because it was uncomfortable. It was just it was a big fumble on their part. But other than that, this this season was it has been. Awesome, and I think you're right. I think this is just a rare misstep on their side, and they'll recover for the last three episodes, and we're going to see some, I hope, some pretty huge, huge battles, some some big moments are going to be coming through this, this show. The Clegane Bowl is still on and not canceled. <laughs> nope, <laughs> so. still on. Yep, I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see, um, you know, 
how it works out. You, you, you know, now you have Braun, who's been, uh, you know, paid to take out uh, the Lannister boys. Uh, that that plays into it. Um, you know, you, you still have the man who may love Danny more than anybody, um, and that's Dario, who's over in Essos, where the the Golden Company just came from. Um, you have the prophecy in which uh, one of the brothers is is said to kill Cersei. So there's so much left there, and uh, so much meat on the bone that uh, it, it, it's set up to um, you know be a really, really great run. Uh-huh. Excellent. Which brings us to our final subject of the night. Avengers Endgame. I'm still, a, I still have a hangover on this billion. one, man. <laughs> Me too, man. $1.2 I... billion, billion dollars, uh, on the opening weekend. Just... Three three hundred fifty million in the U.S. There has never been a movie to break three hundred on its opening weekend in yeah. North America ever, yeah. and it just it, ever it blew past that mark. Yeah, yeah, fifty million dollars is a lot of money and a lot of movie theaters. It really is, and if you take that into perspective, um, it's 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 nothing short of a miracle. Mm-hmm. They broke so, the internet when the movie uh, when the tickets went on sale. Broke the internet. AMC was down the entire day. I was just yeah. trying like hell to get my tickets for opening night. <laughs> I know, I know, I remember. And and so, all right. So we'll let you start. I feel like I've done a lot of j- j- jarring in this episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna let you. Uh, I'm well, let, let me let talk you... about first. Like I, I want to. I, I went to see it at, at the AMC. Right. Um, mm-hmm. They give us. 3D glasses. That was the only only ticket I could get. That was decent yeah. seats, decent enough, right? Um, so the theater piles in. There's not an empty seat to be found in AMC for Amyham in all of the theaters that are playing this movie. Uh, so we're all in there, all of us crammed in. Everyone's excitement. There's a buzz going on. Previews kick in. Everyone's running to the bathroom, getting that taken care of. Movie. Okay, it's about. To you know, to, you know, you're about close, right? Uh, to the movie starting, there's always like a preview or two when you're doing 3D that they put the 3D glasses on you, so you can yeah. start acclimating to the room, acclimating to the screen. And Kaylin leans over because is it kind of weird we haven't started to see any 3D films uh, uh, trailers yet? I'm like, yeah, you're kind of right. It's kind of weird. So, but hey, it's a long movie. Maybe just don't want you to get fatigued. Sure. <laughs> so, movie starts. Um, Everyone's cheering, everyone's crazy, and everyone's confused because you're putting your glasses on. And you're like, wait a minute, it's not 3D. You take them off. It's like, no, it's not. It, it's it's fine. You put them back on and take them off. So, long story short, is we were in a 3D theater, which they didn't have a 3D reel to show us, but we all had our glasses. Um, wow. So, kind of a drop ball on AMC's part. Normally, they're they're pretty phenomenal. But here's where it gets better. So and we'll talk about the movie, but I, I think you'd appreciate this. So we see Endgame, all of those high points, low points in terms of like you're laughing, crying, cheering, all that's going on. Movie wraps. We all, everyone in the theater is happy. They're leaving. No one even remembers a 3D thing. Who's out there? About five employees from AMC giving every single person who was in the audience two free passes. to Unreal. Customer service, at, they did not have to do that because not one person was even thinking about that 3D. Yeah, they couldn't have cared. That's that's pretty great. Isn't that awesome? So um, in terms of like, again, I, 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 tr- I, 
I, I talk about them all the time. I think it's a great theater to see movies. It's comfortable. You get your seats. You don't have to worry about doing the mad dash to get there an hour early. Awesome. Awesome experience. Um, so, yeah, Endgame, man. From the second that movie started, I was glued. I was enthralled um, in what I was seeing. I've always been Team Thanos. As you know, I'm the guy driving down the street in traffic going like this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what the hell? Um, so the, the 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 whole thing opens with the team going after Thanos to get the stones back, only to find that he's destroyed the stones. And that just sent just chills down my spine. Like this is over. This is not how I expected this to go at all. And then no. Thor ultimately obviously beheads him and game over i'm thinking man they i by the way i have not seen any trailers leading into this so i have no idea what happens i don't know if thanos is coming back or not so for me team thanos i'm bummed already because i'm like this is like the greatest villain i i'm kind of sad i'm not gonna get to see him fight again yeah yeah Um, yeah. i have no idea that time travel is coming i have no idea any of this stuff's about to happen so I'm bummed, but probably for a different reason than most others. I'm bummed because the villain's not gonna not gonna be there later. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we quickly find out that time travel's a thing, and Thanos comes back, and obviously we know what happens from there. You and I do. Um, but as far as like the, one of the things that I love the most about this movie uh, is Fat Thor. <laughs> oh God. And Korg and oh, that whole Fortnite exchange. The whole, that incredible. part was so cute and funny and also very sad at the same time. And again, this is just how good the Russo brothers are to making movies. Yes, it's played for laughs, but then there's like this underlying melancholy to the whole thing, this whole sadness to him. And it, it wasn't until he starts talking more in that, you know, in that room with Rocket and, and Hulk that you realize, like he's he's going through something. Uh, he's going through P- PTSD. He's going through. Yep. He's depressed. He's he's given up, and it's kind of sad. And it's something that hit home to me because I've seen that play out with a family member. So it was who basically did exactly that. They drank a lot. They dove headfirst into video games and just let themselves go. They stopped showing up to work. So while it was played for laughs, for me, it t- I took it a whole different way. So my journey during this, like I love Cap, I love Iron Man, was really watching Thor overcome um, basically this this very bad depression that he was in, this very bad road that he was on. And I did not see that coming at all. Fat Thor through the whole movie was was awesome because it also showed like you don't have to be a muscle head uh you know, guy that's, you know, perfect body, perfect hair. You can look like that Thor and still kick a lot of ass. So I was just really into the whole whole thing. And I mean, it sounds silly, but it was one of those things that stuck with me the whole time. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it makes perfect sense and, and things stand out, right? I mean, yeah. they, they do in, in those movies. And, and so, you know, I, I had, once again, I had my, um, my criticisms of of certain of certain things here and there of the movie, and then I stopped, and I realized like, 
you know, I'm not a, I'm not a movie critic and I'm not, you know, I'm a Marvel fan first. I'm a comic book fan and nerd first from um, my younger days, my youngest days. And so I, I, I I'm not going to point out any of the things that I even pointed out with you. What, what uh-huh. I'll say is there was an expectation for me um, when I saw the first Avenger um, all those years ago. And, um, you know, and, and, and even before that, of um, when I got my Captain America tattoo years before the MCU was even a thought of um, of doing Captain America justice if you were ever going to to make a movie. And that is, you know, if, if, if what stood out to you was Thor and, you know, that, that fat Thor. And, and it, for me, it was following and finishing the story of Captain America. And it brought me back to, you know, the, the original in 2011 or, yeah, uh, the casting rumors and who they were going to get. And was it going to be John Krasinski? And it was it going to be this? Was it going to be that? And and I, I and the minute that I saw Bucky and the minute that I saw Sam and the minute that I saw Peggy and the and. You know, and and the fact that they they talked about the you know him missing the dance every opportunity that they could, and uh, and and the journey that they went through, and and it just at the end of that movie, um, you know that the the it did everything justice. It 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 did Bucky justice. It did Sam justice. It gave Peggy justice. It gave Steve justice. It you know the dance happened. Um, notice Chris Evans has not said that he won't come back. I mean, there was some of my favorite, favorite, favorite comic book, uh, Captain America comic book runs are when he grabs the Tesseract and ends back up in 1945. Some of the best storylines, some of the best everything was, you know, the eight, nine, ten years that he spent with Peggy fighting the Nazis in Germany and because mm-hmm. it was believable because it was there. And now that whole world is now open to us that whole, you know, they can go in and, and do a secret mission. They could, the, 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 so a number one for me is that these movies did justice to my, to the reason why I was even in the theater in the first place. And that's Steve Rogers and Captain America. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it did that. We could spend this entire show going through line by line and plot by plot um, and talk about, you know, the fact that we could have a Queen Valkyrie movie or uh, we could have a movie now of, of Professor Hulk going to find um, uh, Black Widow. We can go back to Clint if we wanted to. What what mattered most to me, um, I don't care what happened to Tony Stark because I don't I don't like Tony Stark. I don't really care what happened to anybody else other than the people that were on the screen. And and Steve got closure with Peggy. And the question that I had in my mind forever was who is going to get the shield? Yeah. Because you can make a case for both. And they've in the comics, they've done both. They've handed it to Bucky. They've handed it to Sam. And now Sam has the shield with the approval of Bucky. And, you know, he gave him the nod. He gave him the nod. And now, you know, whether Sebastian Stan ends up in Wakanda or, or whatever, uh, Sam is the right person to have the mantle. 
in, in the other comic book world, now Bucky would take the shield and then go on trial. And then you would have the trial of Captain America and he would face all of the Sokovia charges, all of that stuff. He would go to jail um, and, and, and that would go down another path. So they didn't pick that back. They, they picked the Falcon path. And now I know who Sam's going to end up, uh, you know, if they follow the comic book, I know who, who he'll be married to and what, you know, who will have his kid and who will have, I mean, so they did it for me. They checked every single Captain America box that they could. And I cried and I cried like a baby. And I didn't stay through the end credits be, uh, because I wanted to see the end credits. I didn't want my kids to see how emotional and how much it got me and how much that I sat there and wept for my hero, for my seven-year-old looking at Steve Rogers' hero. And, and for that, I will be forever grateful to these guys forever grateful to them for bringing my story that mattered to me the most and seeing it all the way to the end in the best way possible. And yeah, man. Well said. Yeah, I agree. Obviously it struck a chord with you different than me and different than other people, but it's, I think that's the beauty of this, this run that we've been on for 10 years and God willing, we go on it for another 10, uh, and those 10 after that. Yeah. I mean, it's just everyone takes something different. There's something for everybody, right? You're 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 particularly attached to this one character. I'm I for whatever reason, Quill, Peter Quill is my favorite. <laughs> so um sure. it's just is something for everybody and, and you don't have to explain why. And that's the beauty of it. Everyone's different. Yep. Every character has their their shortcomings, and they they just seem like real people. And it's the brilliance of Feige, uh, Kevin Feige, and the Russo brothers, and James Gunn, and and John Favreau, and all of them, all yeah. of the the talent and the brains that went into making these movies. I, you just look back at what they accomplished. James Bond has been around for a long, long time. They've done what thirty yep. movies now. Twenty five's coming up. Yeah, they've Marvel accomplished what has taken Bond <laughs> fifty years. Yeah, almost. Yeah, more than that. Well, yeah, sixty years. Sixty long years time. to accomplish, yep. Yep. and there hasn't been a bad movie in the bunch. Nope. And I, there I heard really isn't Kevin Smith talking about this that. Um, they actually took the the weakest link of the bunch, which was Thor: Dark World, and they doubled down on it during. Endgame. They did, they <laughs> did, they did, and and uh, just yeah, man, I can't say enough, and I can't wait to watch it again, which I may do in the next two hours. I might drive to I might drive to the theater and um, and put it on, mm-hmm. and maybe fall asleep to it. It's very possible. So. Um, so that was a really long show, and I want to thank uh, you for doing it on a, on a weeknight when we both had, it. And and, and uh, we needed to get that all out. And now I think um, you know we'll we'll come back with another show next week, hopefully, and um, you know we'll be able to slow this down a little bit um, and and really dive into a lot more of these things. We covered a lot of stuff tonight. I'm really really glad we did. Um, but I am ready to, to go fall asleep to Endgame. So, all right. um, Sounds like a plan. All right, boys. Let's close it down. All right, boys. Let's close it down. Look at me, man. Can't you see that I'm dying? Look at you, man. Doing all you want. Ain't it again?
You have been listening to NerdPod with Coach and K-Rock from Podacy Entertainment. Be sure to follow Coach and K-Rock to stay up to date on all upcoming nerd pods and Podacy programs on Instagram, which you can find them at Podacy, that's P-O-D-D-E-S-Y, on Twitter, which is at NerdPodacy, which is N-E-R-D-P-O-D-D-E-S-Y, and Facebook, they're at NerdPod.